0: Next in our series of looking at popular terms and clarifying their optimal role and purpose in our lives is our ego. You know, that nagging, sometimes annoying voice that tries to get you to do things that you later regret? Yeah, that one. In my recent experiences, I have heard the ego be described in many different ways, and most were negative, as you can imagine, some going even as far as saying that we should work to eliminate it, and I actually held a similar view until I was recently challenged by someone which caused me to look at my definition of ego even closer, spawning this conversation with Alexander. Now, if you thoroughly enjoy these episodes of Wise Wise in an exchange of appreciation, sharing the podcast with other thirsty spirits out there goes a long way in helping others and us. And don't forget about our patron page, which is Wise. Dashwise.com slash patron, P A T R E O N, which offers those who can donate monetarily, behind the scenes, and exclusive content for as low as $5 a month. Basically, it's like buying Alexander and I a half a beer, coffee, or tea each, but we'll appreciate every single drop. So now, our beautiful people, let's unwind and open our mind. Let's journey. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Eyes wise,
0: with Aaron and Alexander
1: uncovering our authentic self through
0: self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So ego. So Alexander, uh, ego is something that. People have told me that I have a misunderstanding of what it actually is.
1: I think there's a lot of that. Going yeah,
0: out. there seems this is another, and I, I like the last few episodes we've done because we're we're really uh, taking on the words that have so many different meanings and kind of clarifying it for our audience and how we're defining these words within the philosophy. So I think I think these have been very helpful, and I think again this one's going to be very helpful as well. So the where I derive my understanding of ego from is from before I met you when I listened to Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, where he kind of described it as like your pain body. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kind of was the part of you that was always trying to survive. So it would kind of do whatever necessary to fight you. <laughs> yeah. Go against someone that, you know, if you're trying to do something good for yourself that's outside of what it needs is kind of like fight you. And mm-hmm. so with that said, there are so many definitions. So why don't you go ahead and clarify, I guess, if you want to go simple or, or mm-hmm. advanced to clarify what ego means within this philosophy or even how you understand it.
1: You know, the ego is is a term that is necessary and it can be either a, our biggest adversary um, or you know our uh, saving grace, so to say. The thing is, is that I like to suggest for it to be looked at as like a similar to an athlete. There's there's times to put a special athlete in, and that's what the ego is. Is to me is like a a, a special player. Like on some football teams, you know, you have a kicker, you have a punter, they have like a special skill set, and they only come in when it's absolutely necessary. That's the way that I think that the ego could be uh, viewed as well, is that it's not something that needs to be annihilated completely because it is part of the fight or flight response. And if our life is in danger, then that ego part is very important to make sure that we know we... We mean enough to make an effort to save yourself in this situation. But in conversations, in um, work environments, in you know, loving environments, in many other environments that we're in the majority of the time, the ego brings the adversarial type of energy. And it can even bring it against ourselves uh, because it will keep us from sometimes wanting to grow or expand or to change. I am looking forward to, to this episode, uh, as we discussed earlier, to discuss this. And and uh, I think it's going to be wonderful to just give, once again, just another view of how to approach uh, this subject.
0: Do you think ego is something that we're like born with, or is it something that we're learned throughout our childhood?
1: Uh, I think it's both. Um, I think we're given it that survival instinct even as a child or a baby to uh, cry when you're hungry to let to make some kind of action known when there's something needed for survival and that is you know the one of the main areas that ego is useful at the same time it can be developed you know if a child is a certain type meaning um there are various types of people Uh, We help people to suss that out through what's called the human design system and the destiny card system. This helps you to understand specifically your strengths and weaknesses and your empathic natures. So that combined with your environment, because some kids are born into a very supportive, uh, even cheerleading kind of environment, and then some kids are born into an environment where there's a lot of insecurity, a lot of uh, judgment, ridicule. And so these two combinations of uh, what type of person a person is and their environment kind of determines how this ego or many different types of emotions are generated and supported or not supported. And the more that something is supported, of course, the more it's going to seep in and be almost like a natural response, but it's not, it's a trained response. And so... Many different cultures and um, even different families really pump that ego thing to try to give a certain level of self confidence. And once again, in the right situation, that can be very useful. And as with anything, as with you know, different drugs, uh, different substances, everything has a usefulness point, and then it crosses that bridge into to where it beco- starts to become an adversary. And one of the areas that that is true with the ego is anywhere where someone is um, propelling their preference and demanding that preference and forcing that onto someone else. And, uh, you know, we have a, a legal way to do it in this world through sports, like boxing for two men to get up there and just, you know, utilize their ego in a way to try to win. And... When in actuality, some of the best fighters of all times, uh, especially in martial arts, they learn to keep the ego completely out of it. So there's different levels of all of this. And uh, ego can be very useful for the one that uh, has too much self-judgment. But someone that uh, already has a bit of an ego or full of self-confidence, being in an environment that nurtures that can take it to an extreme. And um, many people that are successful carry a, you know, a fairly fine line with that, that can be challenging in this day and age because it's so easy to get judged, so easy to get misjudged. And then it, it flies out on social media that is putting a lot of pressure on people. Just a lot of things are surfacing through social media that uh, couldn't, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. So that's, incre- that's increasing a pressure in this subject of the ego to defend. And anytime somebody has what's called a defense mechanism, a way that they react right away, I mean, at something that's said or, or done, they don't even take the time to process who's saying it, who's doing it, why this is happening. And that is that ego kicking in for, for protection. And this is where most people are misusing ego is in the emotional arena, And um, they tap into it very quickly when they feel threatened. And this isn't anything wrong. It's just a a perpetual, ongoing situation in our culture. And, um, you know, trust is a a big key to kind of help balance that ego out. Social media keeps things stirred up to keep people, you know, out of trust and on that more defensive side.
0: And you were just getting into my next question which is what is the relationship between ego and our emotions?
1: Well, it's very strongly connected. These defense mechanisms are that term that I will use uh, of where, like I said, the person doesn't even have an opportunity to know what's happening. They do it so often and for so long, it's an automatic response. And sometimes that can equate to different emotions. For some people, it can activate their sadness as soon as they feel threatened. You know, the ego just goes into, like, being hurt because they've experienced that so much in their life. Or it can go into frustration or anger or rage. And what, you know, I'm hoping that this philosophy and this podcast and the work does is to help people to break these patterns, to break those Instant reactions. And we just call this, you know, emotional processing, realizing that there's not something wrong with you that you do this. And no, you should not be judged because most of it is situational from people's childhood. And I really want to reach out with a deep level of compassion and ask everyone to carry a little extra compassion today when you listen to this podcast because after being in private practice for over 11 years now, I've heard so many stories about people's childhoods. And I've come to the point that it just isn't a secret that almost everybody had a challenging childhood. And if you didn't, you were truly given a gift. And that to understand that if you didn't and you were given that gift, you're given a large opportunity to be able to carry more compassion than other people. And this is how we're able to reflect on our gifts and carry that level of compassion for someone else. And as you go through life, maybe you had a great childhood, but then you have another time of your life that was extremely challenging. So people get their their challenges at different age ranges. And this is why all the great leaders from the past have really spoken on this compassion so much. And it is taking time to just... Consider that you don't know what someone else has gone through or or what they're going through presently. And so when that ego wants to jump up, as an adult, you have the ability to say, oh, anger, please sit back down because you're not going to help this situation. I'm just talking with someone and I care about them and they just gave me a different opinion than my opinion. But many times that person won't catch it and they will say something. They will attack back. They'll go into a defense. And so the beginning of this uh, working with this and keeping the ego not activating the emotions is that willingness to truly have compassion like on your hip, ready to grab at any time. And this is where stillness, uh, some people call it meditation, but But really, I just call no input, no output time helps people to recharge, to be able to stay in that compassionate range so much more. And this is what some people call unconditional love. Many of the greats have talked about that as well. And as I suggest that this unconditional love at 528 hertz resides in the root chakra or the high root chakra, because that is a C sharp. And so when you're grounded, when you're centered, when you're don't have any financial issues when you don't have any safety or security issues, those are the people that I have found that carry the most compassion and the most unconditional love and that is in that root chakra. but there's a lot of work to get to uh, to get to that. so so people just just recognize in yourself anywhere you're threatened in those areas, your safety, your security, your financial issues, your living environment especially. And that's going to let you know kind of how compassionate that you can uh, may or able to be or how quickly that ego is going to jump up and activate one of your emotions. Because if you're, if you're feeling deficient in two or three of those areas that I just mentioned, um, trust that more than likely you are on guard and that ego is ready to switch and go into defense and bring in an emotion very, very quickly.
0: In the past, we've talked about how we all have a little hurt child inside of us. And sometimes we even made the connection with emotions or our our trauma being like children. Is there any connection or could you make a metaphor of the ego being that child inside of you, that hurt child? Or is there another metaphor that you would particularly use to describe what the ego is in our relationship to it inside of us?
1: I think I would just say that rather than um defining it specifically i'll just say that yes every child or most children coming in um have that ability of the ego and not all because there are special people that come into the world for different purposes it's more like um learning to relate with this part of yourself rather than trying to get rid of it or um, trying to even control it, I like to think of it as more of making friends with it. Um, so it's going to work with you rather than you thinking that you're going to dominate it. Once again, the ego, when it starts working on itself, can want to be very stern. You know, so many people that start working on that will be very hard on themselves, and that's just the ego fighting the ego. That's why I like to suggest give something at least a hundred times that you try something before judging whether you're getting better at it or not. And so when I was doing this practice and I continue to do the practice, but when I first started, it was just an agreement with myself that I did not want to so-called vomit any of my negative emotions on anyone. And so my agreement with myself and my ego was we're always going to have a discussion rather than you having a say. This is why I bring children in and connect them to the emotions, because it would be very similar if I was talking to a child that was just yelling and screaming. I would say, your input is very important, but you're not going to make the decision. So please talk to me in a way that we can come to a conclusion together. This is the way that I suggest to talk to our inner child and that ego and say, hey, you're important. It's still the three R's, recognizing, respecting the subject, and then just redirecting the energy so that it's more useful. Anytime we feel that we have been offended or attacked, you know, it really helps, I feel, to understand that this is coming back into our field because we haven't learned the lesson yet. And the person or the situation that's delivering it has very little to do with this true emotion that's coming up is more connected to all the similar situations in the past. And so it's bringing up all of that stuff. That's where talking to the ego rather than trying to fix it, trying to dominate it comes in of like, Hey, he's jumping up. The ego is saying, take guard, take guard. This person is attacking you. And you can say, thank you. And that, uh, recognize now I respect that you have something to say. Now, is this person truly a threat to me? The answer the majority of the time is going to be no. Now, is what they said, does it carry any truth? If it does, then you need to look at it. And that defense mechanism will come up if it's true and you don't want it to be true. If it's not true, then it won't, rea- it won't create the ego to jump up. So see, if you have an emotional reaction, that is a direct sign that you need to have a conversation with your ego and say, hey, we need to see this from a broader stance. We don't know what this person just went through. They just called me a name. Am I that name? No. Okay, then there's no need for you, ego. Please sit back down. Compassion, come on back up here. So that can, in the beginning, it can take time. It gets to where it happens in seconds or milliseconds after you practice it for a while. But the thing is, every time you have that talk to the ego, you're reducing your reaction time. And the more time you have, the more clearly that you can see before your reaction or your reply. So, in the beginning, it helps to, I like to make a suggestion, to train yourself to take at least one breath before responding to anyone. Sometimes you may need to take three breaths, and if you're going to take three breaths, just please ask for, just give me a second. I want to I want to look at this. I want to respond in a loving way. There can be a phrase that you can use, but the main thing is, is that you're taking that breath so that you can invite the ego in for a conversation, but remind it that it's not here to make the decision. And see, anything that we do habitually becomes that. It becomes a habit. So anything that's hard in the beginning, the more you do it, the more often you do it, it becomes easier and easier. And this is not suppressing emotions. See, this is inviting them in, saying, come on in, let's have a conversation. Now, I don't know that you're seeing this completely clearly, but I really respect that you jumped up to give me a warning. Now, please have a seat, and we're going to discuss this, and we're going to run this maybe by many emotions. Say, do do all of you have a say here? Okay. now once we let all those emotions have a say, and this is in reflecting after getting away from the person, then you can go back and say, oh, this emotion came up. So I must still be upset because that reminded me of my brother when we were uh, siblings young or this reminds me of my father or blah, 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 blah. And then there's more exercises to do after that. But the very first thing is to get out of your fight or flight default reaction. And, that, and when that is happening, the ego has, always has the say. And the, the human or the being doesn't have a say. It just comes out their mouth before they can even catch it. And then many times later they'll say, "Oh, I didn't mean to say that," or "I wish I hadn't have said that." And the best way to experience it is not to not say it. And it is taking that breath, that, that one to three breaths carrying and holding that compassion because you don't know the whole story typically.
0: That was a very good description, and I know I threw you a curveball with that question, but I thought you dove into some pretty good descriptions, and and I do think that's what I was doing was I was sending my ego to battle against itself and looking at it as a negative thing and something that I had to remove, and I think that's maybe... One of the reasons why people would tell me that, you know, are you looking at, are you seeing ego the right way? Because I do think that I've had a negative view on it as like it's I need to I need to remove it.
1: But. Yeah, and and I think that's very common in the so-called spiritual community and maybe even the religious community um, because it is it is talked negatively about. Not so often is it brought up the importance of it as well, and so you don't want to just completely detach from it and you don't want it to, to make the decision. And once again, this, this breaks down to how I respect children. And I do feel like they have a say, but they don't necessarily get to make the decisions. Unfortunately, many parents don't give their kids just the opportunity to have a say and how much more that can build the kid's confidence than either just telling them that they're good or they're handsome or beautiful all the time or never. It's, it's really a, a call to lots of parents to really look at your kids more as little adults rather than kids that just don't understand. They don't understand because you're not taking the time to educate them. And I think that that's a big thing with the ego. If it feels respected, then it doesn't have to jump up so fast. I mean, think of it in this this view is that if you learn to respect it and you learn to uh, tell it that it does have its place and it does have its specialty, that then there's not such a need for it to jump up and try to get attention every single time there's an opportunity. Very similar to a child. If you give a child that throws temper tantrums all the time, if you give them a certain amount of attention the right way, and we can help parents understand this by doing their charts, then it has a very high success rate for them to diminish that need to act out. And when that doesn't get taken care of as a little child, then in teenage it becomes, um, you know, high school or junior high problems. And that's why teenagers can seem to be such an issue. But children are a product of their environment. I think that's important for parents and grandparents and um, people to, to accept that as a responsibility.
0: So you may have already touched upon a couple of these, but Let's go into some examples of, of when in our lives ego is necessary or uh, a beneficial thing.
1: And that would be in any type of um, fight or flight situation to where your actual survival is at hand. And sometimes it's to pull yourself out of a negative situation, maybe a, a negative relationship. There's a certain amount necessary to be in, to stand in your power to to feel that and that's once again it doesn't have to be taken to the extreme of anything negative because if you think just if you think good about yourself that's still a touch of ego but it's not anything bad because everyone should love themselves and think of themselves as as a a kind and loving person and willing to help and not everybody feels that way uh, especially not all the time And that's okay too. So that's just regulating that that ego in a healthy way. Um, But it is absolutely necessary. And, you know, when people get to a point to where they they just don't feel like this life is important anymore, they've extinguished that ego in maybe a myriad of different ways. Sometimes it's substance to to detach so much from uh, the soul or the physical body, if you will, that there's just there's no lifeline there. And um, but once again, everything's, you know, either in divine order or complete chaos. And I choose the divine order, trust the grace of that, and that anytime that we feel like life is against us, there's a high likelihood that we're misperceiving uh, what's going on. And it's the same with people. We can feel like people are doing us wrong, but we are misperceiving it. There is uh, something to learn there. And that's the opportunity of one of the other pillars is that You know, everyone has the opportunity to be your teacher or every situation has the opportunity to be your teacher. That's your free will and your choice. It's not about Pollyanna making everything positive in my world. It's just simply being able to see it for what it is outside of preference so that you can make the most conscious decision in how to move forward and keeping the ego, you know, in check while being respected and knowing how to manage these emotions is a big part of that. I think
0: one way that I've possibly used ego in a beneficial way was when I felt that like government or corporations were trying to poison me with these low quality foods that they're trying to sell us in the mm-hmm. grocery stores and things like that with pesticides. And so I kind of you utilize my ego to be like, well, you know, they're trying to get me sick. So I'm going to spend extra money to to make myself healthy and look into healthy avenues. So so I utilized that energy and redirected it into helping myself, I guess in my in my view become more healthy, but you know I mean there's so much knowledge out there that like like you say mm-hmm. there's both so both sides of the coin can can be argued. So yes. Google, but in my view I'm being I'm being healthier than I was.
1: Yeah, Google can certainly give you uh, mm-hmm. both views on
0: almost anything. So I would like to Jump into ways that are just some a few examples in our lives where the ego is detrimental to our lives.
1: Well, the very first one uh, that just comes to mind, not necessarily the most important one, is in intimate relationships. That does extend into between parents and children, uh, both ways. Sometimes it's uh, your parents, sometimes it's your children, but especially in the intimate arena, the very interesting thing in this realm is that Mars energy or Martian energy it carries both attraction and competition simultaneously. And when I do uh, compatibility charts for in my relationship consulting, you know, I can help people see kind of the obstacles and the benefits that they're going to be for each other. And anytime Mars shows up, which is pretty often, and because It's the planet of attraction. The more Mars somebody had two people have in their chart, just the more passion that's going to be there more than likely and the more friction simultaneously. So this is where I coined the phrase learn to make love with the friction uh, because it's going to be there, especially if you carry a lot of passion. Uh, that balance from my perception accepting those equal amounts, but they don't have to be experienced equally. And this is, once again, to recognize it, the respect it, but then redirect it. So if both parties can be on the same page that, oh, I, I pine for you, and when we when we touch, it just lights me up, and that passion is there, then to know that the polarity means that when things turn bad, that's how bad that it can be up to that level. But only if it gets fuel, that's just its potential. And that's all that like astrological readings is, is energetic potentials that can happen. And if things line up, then this is a high likelihood. It's not a definite. There is still some so-called free will in there. So when those two passionate people are able to accept that, And there's a lot of relationships out there that are argumentative and then very high on the making love scale. And they just bounce between those two energies. The argumentative energies, when both parties are able to look at each other and realize that uh, sexual energy, creative energy, and worry energy, and worry turns into anger eventually, those are all the same energy being displaced three different ways. And so if... The two can recognize that, that, hey, we're getting into some so-called negative, competitive, ego-driven ideas here, and they're conflicting. If they could pull out of that energy and go make love or go do something creative together, they can actually burn that energy off and then discuss it after the event, and things will go much, much more smoothly. But not many people can change gears that fast. Once those uh, that ego pops up and the emotions fly, the vulnerability that's part of that making love part or, or even being creative is a vulnerable act. See, that gets shut down. And so it, that's why it takes the recognition on both parties. And sometimes it's you need to both parties walk away. I feel that it does help to have a time plan to get back together that way. Neither party feels left out or in the dark. Um, But that's getting into more progressive uh, techniques.
0: And I would also throw in maybe um, when people subconsciously sabotage either relationships or themselves during their lives. Yes,
1: and that's a good point because it is about yourself. Like many times when you want to make a change or you want to break a habit, the ego can be part of that, not wanting things to change. Is that because it likes to be comfortable? Well, I think so. And, you know, in the subconscious, is part of what runs that ship, is that the subconscious, anything that's repetitious, see, the body and mind don't have to put as much energy into it. So that's why when you're constantly redirecting the energy, I call that keeping consciousness around is that you're, you're constantly tapping in and you're saying, no, I'm not just going to think that automatically. I'm going to look at that a different view. I'm not just going to drive the same way home. I'm going to drive a different way and I'm going to have a different view and, and might get some inspiration to where, you know, anything that's done repetitive, inspiration typically just fades away. And that's where the subconscious rules and people stay stuck. And um, instead of breaking outside of those boundaries and truly moving forward.
0: So in wrapping up, what is the optimal way, or maybe you can go into a little more of a a description of of how we should utilize or some tips on how we should utilize ego into our lives on a daily basis?
1: That is kind of like an an individual thing. And so I, I want that to be said that we're going to answer this in fairly general format, but each individual needs to adjust it to themselves maybe accepting that ego is there, uh, really whether most of us want it or not. So it's not a focus necessarily on focusing on ego. I think as much as shifting the energy to more of a self love and acceptance of, of yourself. That's, that's very challenging, but like that, that, um, the ego is kind of like that bigger brother that some people have that whether, the little brother wants them around or not, the big brother is always there watching over and making sure that things are going to go down a certain way. And normally that's a loving position, but it doesn't always turn out that way. And the ego is very similar. It's there. It's either getting fed or it's not getting fed. So I think respect is all that it needs, is that you're there. You have to be there. You're my friend. I'm so thankful for you. But you don't always get to make the decision, but you're always welcome to have a say. I respect you and what you do for me. Bringing that analogy back to, uh, to specific uh, players or specific um, people that have other professions that are only called in for very specific situations. They're specialists. It's a term I would like to give to the ego. It is a specialist, and it's very important, and it should be respected, but managed so that it learns its place. And uh, that's what I feel that as so-called adults, we can learn to do. And that's one of the main intentions of this podcast is to help people to uh, manage these energies, not beat them, not fix them, not get rid of them, but learn to process them.
0: I do like that visual of the Big Brother, that metaphor. While you're saying that, I was running through some visual representations of that and doing some like re, like like if you respected this big brother that you know he he just wants to make sure that you're safe but at the same time he he like plays around with you and teases you <laughs> so i mean if you respect him and 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 show him gratitude for what he's good at then he's going to kind of sit back down a little bit
1: right right and cuz remember Almost everyone wants to be respected. And some people can even take not being liked if they know they're respected. So that's, uh, that's why it is one of the main components in the three R's. And that is always giving the respect, not expecting respect. You know, the first one is to recognize. You recognize the person or the situation for just what it is. Hey, I see you. Then it is show respect not expect respect, but show respect. Hey, I really want to work with you here. I'm sure you have something great to offer. And then redirect the energy, the person, the, the situation for what is, from my perception, the highest good of everyone involved. And so that's a, a quick review of the three R's. But that respect is all about giving respect, not expecting respect from people.
0: All right. Well, that's it. So let's now stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy, everybody. We appreciate your interest in self growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask
1: the wise, wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results.
0: The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That dot com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So, grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T H E J U S T P H I L O S O P H Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment, it's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com. V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.